themes of Irish literature are death and sickness and actual loss. Like you can't find people mm-hmm. and the sea sweeps them away. And it's just, it was very, very sad. And, but then on the flip side, coming from such sad souls was this poetry, this love poetry. Mm, So like to get a very heavy word and then write around it and make it light is very fascinating to me. So I don't know. It was, it, it was just the right, amount of depression and in love at the same time for me (laughs) it just kind of moves you through it yeah so that's that's basically what irish literature did for me (laughs) (laughs) it was the sea of depression i needed to wade in Welcome to Young, Gifted, and Abroad, perspectives on studying abroad from past and present students of color. My name is Danielle, and I'm so excited to be able to talk to you today because today I have my friend Zuri as the guest. Zuri is a poet and screenwriter and a storyteller through visual mediums as well. And uh, interestingly enough, I met Zuri a couple years ago at the Detroit Book Fest and it was so crowded there and i was really too shy to say much of anything to her but she had some interesting things that she was selling she had a um, a used book that she was selling that i bought and she also had her own work including a book of poetry called not too far from china which i also bought you should really uh consider buying that book if you're into poetry um but anyway that was that uh, i didn't really speak to her that much that day eventually read not too far from China, wrote a review about it, and I think sometime last year, uh, Zuri <laughs> was Googling herself and found my review uh, on my, my blog that I don't mention much on this podcast, but she found the review and emailed me telling me that she really appreciated what I wrote about her book, and then we have kept tabs on each other on Instagram since then. And Zuri uh, was an early supporter of Young, Gifted, and Abroad. And, and so uh, sometime also last year, I think, <laughs> uh, she posted on Instagram about Wanderlust and all these different experiences she's had. And among those experiences was uh, touring Europe uh, as a high school student with her high school band class. And then also spending a summer in Ireland where she studied literature. So I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. We should, we should talk about that. <laughs> so when I invited her to be a guest on the show, she accepted, and that's how this uh, interview that you'll hear today, that's how this interview came to be. Uh, so I really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, Zuri is just a really chill, very honest person to talk to. And I think also, um, you know, Zuri, she started, uh, she enrolled in college, but after some time there, she realized that wasn't where she needed to be. And so she kind of forged her own path. And now she's working and, um, you know, making a living as a, as a writer, as, a, as an artist. So I think this episode will be really encouraging to people who, uh, people who, you know, went all the way with the academic route, uh, but then especially uh, those who didn't, um, because they're still... Uh, so many different ways that you can reach um, your goals and, and have the type of life that you want to have. And so Zuri is definitely uh, forging her own path in a very unique way. 
and she's just really sweet and really open and really mellow and i hope that you enjoy our conversation so without further ado sit back relax and enjoy my interview with my friend zuri mcwarder thank you for agreeing to be a guest on this podcast i really appreciate it and um I have to say, I wish I would have uh, taken the time to actually speak to you when I um, when I was at your table at the book fest. Was it like two years oh, ago? Because yeah. <laughs> I think it was just too crowded and I was too shy. So I just like, I bought a couple <laughs> of your things and then I just kept it moving. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> it was a good time though. I didn't get invited back to the next one, which is kind of sucky, but. All right. the same. Yeah. Why you didn't get invited back? I'm just assuming they wanted to get more people in that hadn't done it before because I'm sure they got thousands of applications. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I only mentioned that to say I'm glad I get to talk to you now to so I can learn more about your story now as opposed to back then. <laughs> right. Um, okay. So why don't we start with you introducing yourself, if you don't mind? Yeah, uh, my name is Zuri McWhorter. I grew up and was born in Detroit, Michigan. Um, I went to all Detroit public schools. I've been into English for a really long time. I think I wrote my first poem when I was three. So I've just been writing and observing for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to college for a little bit. I didn't finish. I did some studying at Michigan State University. Um, it was an okay time. I think they, I think that I just, <clears throat> I like checked all the boxes. Like I lived in a dorm, I got an apartment, check. I went to some parties, check. I studied abroad, check. And then I didn't think that there was anything else to do. So I was, I just stopped going. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but it worked out. You're doing fine for yourself now. So it wasn't. It, right. Yeah, it definitely worked out. And um, I do appreciate like, the types of people who do go to school and go through it and just absorb all that academic uh, confidence, you know, because it it is easier to kind of talk about yourself when you're writing all the time for someone else. Mm -hmm. You kind of, you get used to it, but then when you're like me and you're just kind of like writing every day and then someone's like, what do you write about? And you're like, I don't know, I'm just writing about stuff. And you don't really know how to convey any messages other than in your writing. So I think that being a college or being an academic writer is, it just makes it easier to market yourself. Mm. You know, you get the tips and all the secrets. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, what was the, what was the path for you after that? Like after you left MSU, how did you go from there to being where you are now living and working as a, as a writer? Yeah, um, I kind of just, the people I started hanging around were more artsy and were more expressive than the people who were in college. Mm-hmm. And they just kind of didn't care or thinking about their art, they just did it. And then you get around other people who are established and they kind of got the business side of artistry as well. So I was just kind of taken from each group and decide how I was going to market my writing without making it too commercial, Mm. you know? So what I did was I just like for probably a year and a half, I just got used to writing every day and got used to reading and stuff without a syllabus, you know, or without 
about anybody motivating you. Um, and then from there, I was a little more confident and I just put everything in a book. I'm like, I'm just going to put it all in a book. And I printed out all this stuff and I typed up stuff mm -hmm. and it was all on the floor for like two, three months. And I put it in order and it became a book. So then after that, I had to do the hard part, which is actually learn how to publish a book right with your ISBN numbers mm -hmm. and your copywriting and all of that. <clears throat> and I didn't have a lot of money to do this and it can be expensive. So the book was really, really thin. It was probably 30 pages or so. Mm -hmm. And I designed the cover myself. Um, I found a printer myself. I just Googled all that. And all together, it probably cost about four or $500 for my first hundred copies. Mm. So, I mean, you know, I made my money back. It took a little bit, but the support I had because I was say I, I learned how to talk about writing. Yeah. So everybody knew that Zuri was a writer. And then I had my Instagram and my Instagram kind of got people, oh, okay, Zuri does poetry, fine. So when I was like, yeah, guys, I'm making a book, they were kind of like really excited about it. So word of mouth, marketing, I made you know, Instagram posts, all that. And then about a year later, I did it again with another stack of papers and a stack of notebooks of poetry. Yeah. So, and it really helps. It really helps to just, you know, use what we have, what, you know, social media and all that stuff. You still gotta talk to people. You still got to be kind of cocky a little bit so they know that you're serious. Yeah. And I mean, it was really fun just kind of figuring out all of that stuff, especially in Detroit, because not a lot of people do it like that. We're, we're really visual arts or we're really musical, you know. Mm -hmm. So it was it was it was different. It was difficult, but it was really fun. OK, cool. Yeah. cool. And um, I of course, we will get to the whole like um, like study abroad travel aspect of, of things. But I did have another question regarding um, your work. So you write poetry, and I'm sure you get readings from time to time. Um, but do you perform your poetry? Like, do you consider yourself also a spoken word artist, or is that something separate from what you do altogether? Mm, I have at the beginning when I was trying to get my name out there, I would go and perform. Um, I would go to open mics or mm -hmm. like little festivals and stuff we would have. I did a piece or two um, at the African World Festival mm -hmm. a few years ago. So that was kind of cool. That was like my first time I had my phone and I was just like, yeah, this is my poetry. And they were really <laughs> happy about it. It was crazy. So I, I got some I got some confidence doing that. And I did that for a few years. But once I realized that my poetry was kind of short, mm -hmm. um, because I think spoken word is, it's it's really, it, it can be lengthy because it is performance. And like mm -hmm. when you put emphasis in different places and do all that, like it really brings it to life. But my pieces were very short. Like all of my pieces fit inside maybe two inches of a box. <laughs> so I would have to, and I wasn't memorizing them. So I was just reading all these little tiny pieces and people would receive them well, but I realized that it was more visual. Like I was really on paper poetry girl as opposed to on the stage and being very exuberant. Like that really wasn't, that wasn't me because I've, yeah. I've acted before. So I know the process of learning a script, but then to perform a poem I wrote just didn't, it didn't feel right. Mm -hmm. So when people ask me to perform my poetry, I say no now. <laughs> like here, you can just read it. <laughs> I can read it to you, but I'm not gonna perform it. Right, right. No, I totally get where you're coming from. <laughs> if it's not for you, then it's just not for you. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, 
if we can backtrack to high school, because I remember you posted on Instagram yeah. about um, you played the cello and you visited all these countries in Europe playing the cello when you were in high school. How did yes. that come about? Well, first of all, like when did you start playing cello? I started playing the cello in middle school in the seventh grade at Bates Academy. Hmm. And um, like that school was really good for the music program and the, the choir program too. But we were going through like music teachers every couple of semesters, we'd have a different teacher. So I learned how to play the cello, but I wasn't performing and I, I really wasn't into it. I just knew how to play it. So I didn't play it from ninth to 10th grade. And then I was like, okay, I want to play again. So when I got to high school and I realized that our music program was also very good, I was like, okay, cool, I'll play, <laughs> I'll play the cello again. <laughs> so in the 11th grade, our conductor, Mr. Mack, told us that he put together this big tour for us. And it was on the news and we were raising all this money. I was, you know, I was about to not go because I didn't pay my deposit. And they were like, Zuri, you can't go. I was like, oh, no, why not? <laughs> like, because you're irresponsible and you don't do things for me. <laughs> so the only reason I got to go is because some girl, like, dropped out. So I got to go. Anyway, um, we were gone right in the middle of spring. It was beautiful. It was, like, April 2nd to the 9th, I think. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's about, I'll say at least 100 kids, probably more. So we got 100 kids plus maybe 30 35 adults and we all giant instruments and we get to Frankfurt, Germany. That's where we started. And we drove to this little tiny city, Rothensburg, I think. I could be wrong about that, but it's this little tiny city. And we played at a high school. And then from there, because we had two tour buses and we would have to like get dressed on the tour buses and tune up on the tour. It was like some rock star stuff. It was crazy. <laughs> and when we're walking around, it's a giant group of black people and all of these little tiny German, Austrian, what we, Switzerland, all these little towns. And they're just like, what is happening? <laughs> what are these kids doing? And I mean, yeah, some of the kids were acting really bad and they were like stealing stuff and, you know, but <laughs> <laughs> for the most part, it was really cool. It just, nobody really got in trouble. Mm -hmm. um, it was the concert band and the jazz band and we would just switch off from every place to place. But the jazz band got to play in this garden I think we were in Munich or no, we were in Salzburg and it was an outdoor garden. It was huge. And it was in front of this like government building, like a castle or something. Mm -hmm. And people were like taking pictures. And when they got done playing, they were like, can you take pictures with us? Like we were famous. It was insane. <laughs> like we don't even know who we are, where we're from. We <laughs> language barrier, but it was just, re it really blew everybody's mind. It blew my mind. And I wasn't playing that day. I was just standing up against the tree watching. <laughs> All these—they were oh, it was gorgeous. It was so pretty. And then from there, um, we went to Venice, and um, we played in this little theater in Venice. And we just kind of walked around. And that day, it was raining so hard that everything flooded. The whole city just flooded, and everything stopped. And we had to stand in front of this church for hours. Couldn't get to our buses. Oh man. <laughs> All these memories are coming back. <laughs> it was insane. 
Wow. That's that's so cool you were able to have that experience in high school. That was a week, you said? Yeah. And, okay. All right. And, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you said you, you kind of had put off paying the deposit, and so you yes. almost didn't get to go. <laughs> that's just that's just typical Zuri. Oh. Typical Zuri just doesn't. <laughs> she waits the last minute to do everything, and it's been that way since I was born. <laughs> I mean, that's that's. Okay. I really like. I really thought that everything was taken care of. Like, I was <laughs> <laughs> it's like okay, I'm going to Italy, guys. Great. <laughs> so it's not like you didn't want to go. Like, no, it was okay. not. No, not at all. I really just thought it was handled. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I wasn't you- nervous. Like none of that. Nobody was scared about going to. Everybody was stoked. Mm. Like it, there was no nervousness because it would. It took from the end of my sophomore year up until april when we left to raise all that money so everybody in the whole school knew about it it was yeah. a major deal so everybody was like really happy for us and they just it was beautiful mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and had you been i mean i'm sure you had been to canada by that point right. but like yeah had you yeah. been able to travel before that that point no mm-hmm. not not no further than that i think the furthest i've been at that point was the Bahamas with my parents. Oh, cool. That was cute. But that was in the fifth grade. It was just vacation. But this was like the first time we had like obligation and responsibilities and my parents didn't go. But, you know, some kids had their parents there. But it was really cool not to have my parents there. <laughs> I was so happy. <laughs> I felt like a real grown. And, and like, because most of us were 16, 17, a couple of people were 18, so a couple of people could technically drink, and they would sneak off and go get wasted <laughs> and come back and try to play an instrument. Oh, it was insane. Yeah, like, the rules were totally different. <laughs> wow, y'all must have had a good old time then. <laughs> great. That's great. I collected a lot of cool art, too. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's dope. That's dope. Do you know how um, how it came about that the band director was able to organize all this? Like, did he have a, some sort of connections with local schools over there? Or was it just some an idea he had that he wanted to take y'all on this thing? I think it was the combination of that because Mr. Mack is a, <clears throat> he plays guitar and his wife plays violin. And mm-hmm. before he was a teacher, he was playing all over the world. So I'm sure like his just old school connections combined with his educational connections mm-hmm. probably put that. T- and then we had um, a tour guide. Mm-hmm. So she stuck with us the whole nine days and just made sure that we were where we were supposed to be. And she could speak all the different languages and all that. So. Wow. I think they. I think it probably was a little easier for him just being cool, Mr. Mac with the guitar, <laughs> and that's probably why at our school it happened, and maybe not anywhere else. It's just you got to kind of be really involved to pull something off like that. Right. Right. Yeah. And that was his last year. Like after he did that, he retired. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that was like a one of a kind with a bang. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> Man, I know you said you hadn't really gotten to travel to a whole lot of places before then but was that like something that was on your mind that you thought about like oh i want to see the world i want to oh, yeah. go visit these countries mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. and that comes from reading a lot of books because i'm an only child and my dad was a real estate developer and my mom was a teacher so <clears throat> i would be 
kind of alone a lot. It wasn't lonely, but I just had a lot of time to figure out other stuff and sit and think about stuff. So if I'm reading books that are set in a different place, of course, I want to go to that place. Or if I'm looking at some art from another place, I just, I was always into foreign stuff. Hmm. Like always. I went to, um, I went to a very Afrocentric elementary school from like preschool to second grade. So I got my feel of my African roots mm-hmm. and I was like, yeah, I love it. I love being black. It's great. So then when I got to, you know, middle school and high school, I'm like, yeah, I want to know about everything else now. Like I know what it is to be black. I know that we're great, but I want to see what these other people are doing too. I want to know what these Italians are doing and these, these Mexicans and like, what is everybody doing? Mm-hmm. What are they like? What are, what's, what are they talking about? What don't they like? And it's and I like to when I do travel, I like to kind of research how people are. Like, I don't want to stand out too much mm-hmm. and right. be questioned or be looked at a certain way because you already have that being black. Like, oh, what are they doing here? Oh, you know. <laughs> so, like, so when I went to when I was in college and I went to Ireland to study abroad. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the only black person in the group. And then wherever we would go, I was usually the only black person in the room. And after a while, it was, people weren't, people got used to me, but they knew that I wasn't from Ireland simply because of how I dressed. It wasn't because I was black. They were like, you dress way too cool to be from here. <laughs> that, was like the, that was the whole point. And I'm like, dang, that's really crazy to see how some people think. Like, they're not even thinking about your skin color. They're thinking about how cool you look. Like, you don't look like the rest of these people here. Yeah. Or even your you body like sometimes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Wow. Body language is a big thing. So, it's okay. interesting. It's a good oh, no. Sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Oh, no, I was just trying to make sure I got things straight. So, when you in high school, it was Germany and Italy, and where else? Switzerland and Austria. Okay, gotcha. Yep. Okay, and um, I mean, I know you were there to, you know, you were on buses and you were doing performances. Did you yeah. did you all get a chance to like interact with local kids who were your age? It was mainly our group because we were on the move so much. Like yeah. We would perform and then we would have to immediately leave and go to a hotel and get back on the bus. So it was more like we would have things to do. Like we would go as a group on a tour mm-hmm. and then the tour would be over. We'd get back on the bus and go and perform and then go to the hotel. Like there was never a point where you could separate that because that they were just afraid that we would get kidnapped or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess without this badge on, mm-hmm. and we had to always just be near somebody we could never walk off on. And then kids did it anyway. I didn't do it because, <laughs> you know, I just didn't. But some people yeah. definitely would just leave and not come back. So, I mean, yeah, we didn't get to interact at all. And then when we were performing, I could tell that the kids in the high schools and stuff were not interested in what we were doing at all. I would care because I played the cello, but some random kids came and played some instruments. Yeah. <laughs> Most of the kids wouldn't care. Right. But it wasn't 
And then after that, there was no like Q and A or interviews or anything because a lot of them didn't speak English. Honestly, they really didn't because yeah. we were in tiny little rural cities mm-hmm. in the most random places. So it wasn't <laughs> like they had any clue what we were there for or why we were doing it. It was mainly like for us. <laughs> it was really a power trip for these little <laughs> black kids playing these instruments. <laughs> but it yeah. was so cool, and I didn't. And like you, I never thought about that. Till you just asked me, but like, yeah, there was really no outside interaction. And the most we did, oh, I do have this good story. Me and my friend Hunter, we did sneak off for a little bit when we were in Switzerland. Everybody went to like McDonald's or something, and we found this little restaurant. And we're like, we're just gonna go in here. I don't care. It was so cool. And the only way we could order was because this lady in there had spent a little bit of time in Canada and could speak a little bit of English. Mm-hmm. So she came over and we were like, we just want to eat. It's like, so we have this cheese and this ham thing. And then we have this and like, fine, just give us that. Cause I don't want you to try to explain this whole menu to me. It doesn't matter. Just feed me. And, but it was so cool. Cause I was like, we really wouldn't have been able to do anything without that lady knowing a little tiny bit of English. Cause they were not trying to talk to us and we could not talk to them. Yeah. And it was in a little tiny, tiny, tiny little house. It was like a house restaurant. That was that was it. That was the most rule that I broke. That was the worst rule I broke. I, I just went away. And then we came back. <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't notice that you had like disappeared? I don't think so. Oh, okay. No, I didn't know. Because I mean I didn't get in trouble at all. The only time I got in trouble was when Mr. Mac yelled at me about not wearing my badge. And I was like, I'm in I'm in front of you. You know that I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, my god oh my god <laughs> uh, as you mentioned you were all you know uh, a bunch of, of black kids from the states going around in all these like different towns and in mm-hmm. different places in europe and obviously you stood out but other than like maybe stairs or people asking for pictures did, did that seem to like did you experience any issues in regard to that with like the way people no not at all and i think that i don't think anybody even noticed because you know when you go on a field trip with a group of kids you feel like you own the place that you're in yeah <laughs> you take a group of kids to the zoo they're like yeah this is our zoo and that's pretty much how we felt we just had that confidence and that security of being around people we knew that we weren't really paying attention to what people were doing or saying or thinking about us you know right that speaks volumes to what a group can do to people when you have a community behind you. Yeah, you that's really so true. Realize where you are and what you're doing, you know? Yeah. So. You're too, uh, you know, confident and too focused on what you're there to do to care, you know, yeah. Yeah. what other people might have to say. That's yeah. good. That's good. And um, were you able to keep in touch with your parents at all while you were away? Mm-hmm. I think at that point we had some type of, messaging system it wasn't whatsapp but it was something like that like i could text and then when we got to the airport i could call my parents mm-hmm. but they knew what i was doing they weren't worried they weren't trying to find me <laughs> and like if she don't come back it might be a problem but we're not worried right now <laughs> that's good that's yeah. really good and then when you came back was it because you um you mentioned how it was like a really big deal and was on the news when you came back was there any sort of fanfare or even just within your school like you know yeah um, yeah we were (laughs) yeah we were 
Yeah, it was like the football team had just won state championship. We came in, <laughs> stuff we bought. They wanted to hear about, you know, kids sneaking off and drinking and smoking and doing crazy stuff. But I mean, we it was when we came back, it was highly, highly respected. And then even because a lot of people were seniors, so they graduated in the year after that, it was still people were still talking about it. But the thing was, it's like the orchestra was not the same. Like we were not having concerts and shows. We weren't going hard like we did because Mr. Mac was tired and he was like, I'll just be here. but We're not really about to do anything. And we did not play instruments for a semester and a half. So it was it was it was like a. It was really dwindling at the end. It was a big hurrah and then doo. Mm-hmm. So I didn't play my senior year. I okay. uh, I switched to something else. I think I was running track. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then was it after you graduated that you like stopped playing the cello or do you still play the cello? Yeah. Maybe? I no. had a cello, I did. I had the same cello that I was using in high school, but it was all falling apart and it just, it had to go. It was depressing me. So now I'm in the market for a new one. Every time I go anywhere, I'm like, y'all have a cello? You know, anybody selling a cello? <laughs> Everywhere I go, I don't even care. I yeah. need to know. Cause I would love to keep playing because I wasn't as into it as I should have been. I was more into it because it was something to do, but not yeah. because it was such a cool thing. And it really is. I like music. Music is like poetry. It's just all the same to me. I need to be doing both. Yeah. Well, hopefully you you will find a a new cello so that you can, you know, uh, re-engage with with that art form, you know? Yes. I'm just reading music. (laughs) Um, Oh, what was your your favorite part from from your time in in Europe while you were in high school? Ah, my favorite part? I don't know, just hanging out with like my two best friends in a different place. Like we, when me and Hunter ran away, it was really cool. And then like hung out underneath this rainy gelato shop in Venice. Just, I just remember specifically little pieces of me standing in places and looking at stuff. Hunter taught me how to skip rocks between these two mountains. Like there wasn't a specific thing we were doing, but just like the way I was feeling at certain moments. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I totally get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was high school, and then you went on to MSU. What did you, were you an English major while you were at MSU, or? I was, I started off in political science. Okay. But then I switched to English. Okay. Because political science was too hard, and it didn't make any <laughs> sense. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're an English major at MSU, and then you uh, end up going to Ireland for a summer, right? Yeah, six oh, weeks. Yeah. So, uh, what? How did that come about? Was that something that that you had said set your sights on doing, or something you just came across and thought it would be cool to do? You know, that's the thing about me. I don't really plan things out. I just <laughs> if I'm sitting somewhere and I sit there long enough, something will happen. So I was. Because the thing about Michigan State was, I wasn't making any friends. I didn't really like Michigan State. I, it was just too blue collar and weird to me because I'm from Detroit and, you know, it's basically a city. It's a little city. We have buildings and things. Lansing does yeah. not. And <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> 
So I was really not connecting with my environment and I was always living by myself. You know what? No, I was not living by myself yet. I was living with some terrible people. And that's what made me decide to study abroad. I was like, I got to get up out of here. So I'm just going to look up some countries that are not here. <laughs> but what, I, what happened was I was taking Irish literature with Professor Johnson, and he was so cool. His class was really boring to some people because they mm -hmm. would just fall asleep. And he talked really, really slow and he had a hearing aid. But for some reason, I really connected with this old white man. He was just <laughs> telling me such cool things about these Irish people and how basically Irish literature is just so depressing, but some of it is very not depressing. <laughs> but most of it is because Irish people have been through a lot. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of Irish writers. So at the end of the semester, I had got an A plus because I listened to the man and everybody else did not. Mm -hmm. And he was like, yeah, we're having a study abroad program. If you want to apply for it, you can. So I went and applied for it. And it was like a junior level program. But he was like, you can come anyway because you got an A. I was like, yes, perfect. <laughs> so that's what I did. I applied to a few other ones, but that was the one that I really wanted to go to. Okay. And so we left in June, came back in August. Um, we went, we started in Galway. We were there for a week, two weeks. And we spent a day in Sligo. And then the rest of the time we were in Dublin at Trinity College. Mm, okay. And that was, was that focused on Irish literature as well? That program? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he would, he taught all the classes, but it was, they were held in the colleges we were staying in. Like we would have our own little classrooms and then he would bring in like local writers and, you know, journalists and stuff, and they would come and talk to us about their books, and we would read their books. And then there was a bookstore that was red, and it was wooden. And like the little old man who worked in there was so nice. Aww. And every book I needed was in there. That never happens when every book on your syllabus is in one place. <laughs> and I'm like, I know he planned that out. I know he did that on purpose, but it was just one of the best things that I could have asked for. Yeah. Because I was not trying to run around Ireland looking for books. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so about how, like, how many students were in this group with you in <clears throat> Ireland? Um, no more than 30. Okay. And it was all girls, one dude, two black girls. Okay. I forgot all about the other black girl. I said it was just me. It was another one. I forgot about her. <laughs> 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 Sorry. And all of y'all were from MSU? Yeah, all of us were from MSU except for one girl. She was from U of M. And okay. she just came up and did the program. But yep. And I hadn't met any of those people before. I couldn't even tell them from my class or not. I didn't realize if any of them were in my class. <laughs> but the, the group was weird. It was a strange group. It really, really was. And I can I can kind of pick it apart real quick because there was me, I was like a loner. Like I would sit on the stoop and smoke cigarettes and drink whiskey. <laughs> and they would be like, oh, we're gonna go out and party. And I'm like, okay, cool, bye. And then like in the middle of it, I shaved my head and got my lip pierced. Like I went through this whole thing wow. and I was kind of scared everybody. <laughs> but he would go out and party and the dude that would follow him and he was always trying to just get some from somebody and no one would ever give him any. <laughs> and then, there was like this set of two girls who were just cool and they would kind of hang out with me sometimes. But nobody was really, really tied down. Like on the weekends, we were allowed to do whatever. Some girls would get on an airplane and go to Paris or London or whatever and then come back and go to class. Mm -hmm. 
he just, uh, I didn't really do that. I kind of stayed and just observed what was going on. And yeah, it was, uh, the group was strange. I didn't make any friends, but it was okay. Yeah. <laughs> I got really good grades. <laughs> I did a lot of studying. Well, I mean, if you were enjoying yourself, you know, just I did. Yeah, yeah. Whatnot, then that's, that's fine. You know, that was the overall thing about Michigan State. It just wasn't very friendly to me. I don't, I yeah. didn't fit in at all. I mean, you found a way to make the experience your own, you know. Um, it was dope. Yeah. <laughs> so you, so when you weren't in class, you're basically just like exploring mm-hmm. uh, wherever you happen to be at that time within Ireland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was it just like the class you had taken while you were at state? Like, did you have like assignments or a final paper or something like that? Yeah, we. It was less assignments, more write about this write about that like we would go see a play and we would have to write about the play mm. or we would <clears throat> listen to gene kerrigan come and talk about his book and then write about the book mm-hmm. so it wasn't so much studying in class or in your room like looking and stuff it was more like okay reflect on what just happened and don't forget about it you know mm-hmm. yeah and take what you learned in the Irish class that you took at Michigan State and apply it here. So I was really glad that I took that so I could really just enjoy it and kind of give more of a review than like a critique. Mm-hmm. So it was dope. It was really cool to to just be kind of free because learning about something in the place that you're in is so much easier. It's like learning a language. You can't really learn a language if yeah. you're not in the place where that language is being spoken. That's and true. it's the same thing with literature. Like you just kind of automatically connect with what you're reading if you're in that place. Mm-hmm. Well, because you mentioned that Irish literature can be really depressing, but you found it still yeah. to be to be very interesting to you. Is it the themes of the the work that you were reading, or the or the I don't know. I guess what made it enjoyable for you, even though a lot of it, um, as you said, tends to be depressing and kind yeah. of. No, I was just I was just hella depressed in college. Like I, I was just I was just happy. there was so much material for me to read that related to me. Oh, okay. but then also also so so much sadder than was actually going on with my own life. I'm like, okay, so people people are sadder than me sometimes. <laughs> like I was just I was going through it in college. Like I did not know who I was, what I was doing, but at the same time I did and it was it was like, I don't know where I'm supposed to be at or what I'm supposed to do with this yeah. energy that I have. So when I went to the, when I decided to take Irish literature at Michigan State, I just, I didn't know that's what was gonna happen. And <laughs> cause I thought it was just gonna be, hey, just read these books. But once we got into the material and I found the themes of Irish literature are death and sickness and actual loss. Like you can't find people mm-hmm. and, the sea sweeps them away and it's just, it was very, very sad. And, but then on the flip side, coming from such sad souls was this poetry, this love poetry. Um, It just, certain words that are in the vocabulary of Irish lit are just so deep. I mean, they're not deep, they're heavy, they're very heavy. Mm, so okay. like to get a very heavy word and then write around it and make it light is very fascinating to me. James Joyce yeah. does it very well. Mm. And uh Yates does it very well. So, I don't know. It was it, it was just the right 
amount of depression and in love at the same time for me. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I it makes sense. You know, when people listen to sad songs, even when they're sad, you know, right? Kinda, exactly. It just kind of moves you through it. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you can just read something and cry about it for two months, <laughs> emotion out, and you just rolled the wave, and now you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's basically what Irish literature did for me. <laughs> <laughs> it was the sea of depression I needed to wade in. <laughs> Well, I mean, at least you had that outlet, right? As opposed Absolutely. to just, you know, keeping it all, you know, bottled in. You had something that you could kind of use to process it with. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I hold my whole life to Irish literature right now because <laughs> I don't know what was going to happen if I hadn't. <laughs> oh, this is something I never really thought to ask when I talked to other people who've been to Ireland, but do you feel like, like, was it difficult at all to understand people when, maybe that's a caricature we have here, but it's like there's certain English speaking accents that are harder to understand yeah, than yeah, others. Yeah, and like, yeah. I feel like Irish accents are one of them. I don't yeah. know if you had that difficulty at all. With like service people or people who work, mm-hmm. they, they don't, they, they try to, you know, soften their accents <clears throat> because they're dealing with tourists. But um, one of the girls on the on the trip had a cousin who was Irish and lived in Ireland, and mm-hmm. she was telling me like all of the Irish words they use and da, 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 da. and we went and everybody know. Have you heard the phrase "crack"? Like that was some great crack. Like that's <laughs> what they say in Ireland, and it just means that was a great time. It was the best time ever. So they're saying <laughs> "crack," and it's spelled C R A I C, I think, mm. but they say "crack." And everybody kept saying that, and I'm like, wow, okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, I don't know what that means. So then she explained it. And then I'm like, oh, okay, so I've been here for five weeks, and I didn't understand that. But now I got it. Thank you very much. <laughs> but other than that, I like the way Irish people sound. It's just so hearty and warm. Hmm. And they're so nice, and they just love to drink and give you liquor, and they love to talk to you and be here. We met so many cool people. Just yeah. being out, like mm-hmm. in the bathroom, at the club, or wherever we were. It's like everybody was really, really nice. And yeah. that is another misconception people have. Like, I don't know if they think that people are mean where you go, but if you're nice to people, people will be nice to you. Yeah. That's it. It's yeah. very American to think otherwise. <laughs> people are so cool. They just give you things. <laughs> And I'm sure they were drawn to you too, like you said, how you dress different. So they probably thought right. you were really interesting. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> and do you, uh, off the top of your head, do you have like a favorite part of your time while you were in Ireland? Yes, I do. Um, <laughs> one weekend, me and a couple girls went back to Galway from Dublin. So it was about three hours away. Uh-huh. And um, <clears throat> they were having the horse races the derby and that's a really big deal because they've been doing it for centuries so some people still do the traditional thing where they wear the big flamboyant hats and the you know the suits and stuff but Mm -hmm. some people just go and they wear hoodies and shoes and whatever but (laughs) tradition and then all this beer and sausage and potatoes and it was like it was in the middle of summer but it wasn't hot 
and everybody was so nice. And then from there, like we did that for a few hours, and then we came back and we went and we were just drinking. Like it was the fun part wasn't the drinking part, but we were just like bar hopping and meeting people and eating good food for a whole day. And I remember being so tired at the end of that day. And we had to take the bus back to the little suburbs where the girl's cousin lived. And we got off the bus at the wrong stop and had to walk a mile back in the dark on this random Irish road. <laughs> and we were so drunk. We were so drunk. And I'm like, it was bad, man. It was bad. I was, it was bad, but it was a lot of fun. And we had met such pretty, nice, beautiful people. I remember that. That's that's the most I remember is all the nice, beautiful people in their beautiful hats. Yeah. Speaking in their Celtic languages. I love to be immersed in that kind of stuff. That's always my favorite kind of thing to do. It sounds like a really great time just to mm -hmm. be in the thick of it, you know? Yeah, exactly. I'd rather do that <laughs> than to say I went to some cool fancy restaurant in Paris and then like no I want to be like some dirty stuff <laughs> I really want to see what y'all are doing I want to be able to not understand anybody and that is fine with me <laughs> yes oh my goodness oh <laughs> oh yes okay so I did have a question about uh well I guess for high school you didn't have to worry about it as much but as far as like funding goes do you have any like tips for like funding like scholarships or fundraising or whatever personally helped you in being able to participate in in those trips yeah i um i just saved up a lot of money and i just i had a good savings for a while <clears throat> so i dip into it but i would definitely look for scholarships ask the people who are in charge of the program like for me, it would have been my teacher because he was right there. But sometimes it might be a third party. <clears throat> Just kind of do your research and find maybe a few small scholarships as opposed to one big one. Mm. You know, yes, those give you that gives you a little more room to if you get a no, that's not your whole, mm -hmm. you know. Want to do something in the summer? I would say just save up. Like know when you want to go. Because I would have gone in the wintertime, but the program I was doing was only summer. I would have rather gone in the wintertime because I don't like to be in Michigan in the winter. But <laughs> like, just <laughs> make sure that you prepare because when you go, like, know that you have to pay the tuition plus the plane ticket. Mm -hmm. And sometimes room and board is not included in tuition. And then you got to have some money when you get there. So that's another thing. Like if you if you are into a program and you go into a country that the dollar, the U.S. dollar, is worth more than the dollar you're going to spend there, that could be a little better for you, as opposed to like studying abroad in Switzerland, which would be very expensive. Yeah, very very expensive. I was thinking about that. <laughs> I was thinking about moving to Switzerland, and I looked, and I'm like, oh no, never mind. So, <laughs> you you got to be realistic with yourself, and if you decide to do it more than once, because I would have loved to study abroad more than once, but they don't really offer English programs in other countries. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, so, true. <laughs> you know, so yeah, just, I would research really good, apply for more than one scholarship, a couple of, a multiple scholarships worth little bits of money. Yep. Okay, all very good advice.
Do you have any other major takeaways or advice you'd give to someone who's looking to study abroad or simply to, to travel more? Yeah, I have a lot of friends <clears throat> now who are, I don't know if it's how the world is working now, how America's going, but everybody's trying to leave. <laughs> and it's a lot of people who haven't, who've never been anywhere before. And they're like, I don't care, just get me out of here. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. fine. If I'm telling somebody to go somewhere, just like I said, be respectful. Yeah. Um, be aware of your body language, be aware of your face, <laughs> your facial expressions, because I'm I'm known to be being in Detroit, you 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 hard, you just kind of you walk around and you you frown so no one talks to you and tries to rob you. So you don't have to do that everywhere else, really. You don't. Um and I would just say uh just know what you're going for. Don't you don't have any expectations really because you don't know what's going to happen. You really don't. Yeah. You got to be open to stuff and people will be nice to you. People will cook for you. I've never been anywhere in this world that someone didn't offer me some food or a place to stay or some work you know, at all. You don't get anything from anybody around here. Mm. And I just think that people everywhere else, I don't know if it's like a, a Latin thing, like these Latin countries or like Nordic or what, but people, people know how to treat people other places. That's why they thrive. Mm -hmm. That's why they are just open to so much and they just want you to have it. They want you to buy this art. They want you to eat this food, you know? Mm -hmm. So when you think about it like that, like these are gifts, you're going somewhere and you're getting gifts and you should feel some sort of exchange when you go somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I like that you mentioned how, uh, you know, you don't have to be so guarded. Obviously, you need to be aware. Uh, yeah. Not necessarily, like, you know, kind of defensive or preparing yourself to be, I don't know, being willing to open uh, or to accept the hospitality that comes your way. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. And uh, do you have any... Uh, I know you've traveled more since then, but do you have any places, like any travel plans coming up or places that you'd really like to go? Yes, I want to go. I want to go to Northern Africa, like maybe Morocco. I do want to go to Morocco. I want to go to South Africa and I want to go to the Maldives. Mm -hmm. Are so far away. It would take forever to get there, <laughs> but it sounds so beautiful. And I'm just really into blue and air and fruit. And like, I want to go tropics. I don't really want to keep going to. I've been to Europe a lot, and I'm kind of sick of <laughs> inland places where there is no water around me, or the water around me is salty and cold. No. I want to go somewhere warm and colorful and, you know, where people use stones and fire and wood to cook. <laughs> yeah. 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 I totally, I, can, I have that image. Now that you've described it, I have that image in my head. Yeah. Right. Those would be good, those would be good places to go. Yeah. <laughs> and I already know that people like the, the fact that places have like marketplaces, every, like that's their main source of just trade is marketplaces. And that's the type of people I want to be around. And have stuff at to just go every day and get their stuff, and then they cook it and they put it up and they walk around, they talk and they just do their thing, you know. Mm -hmm. 
So I'm all about it. I'm all about the newness. That's 2019. I want to be colorful and take pictures and write new stuff. Yeah. 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 Well, I hope you do get to do that. I think that would be wonderful. Uh, Thank you. Chance. Uh, I'm sure you will. I mean, it's it's only January. You know, <laughs> got a whole year ahead of you to do awesome <laughs> things. It's only January. <laughs> yes. Do awesome things, make new plans. Yeah. It's yes. cool. Cool. Um, oh, okay. And last question. Is there a way that people can reach you or keep up with you online if you'd like them to do so? Sure. There's my my many, many Instagrams. So we'll just go with Zuri McWhorter. That's okay. my that's very easy. You can find me. And then I have a new website with my more recent work, my photography, my screenplays, my video stuff. And that is Zuri.ink, Z-U-R-I dot I-N-K. That's easy okay. too, right? Yes. <laughs> so you can check me out and holler at me. I'm always on to collaborate and talk about how cool my life is. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. I'm sure people will. And um, yeah, thank you for making sure. Because I know, obviously, I know about your Instagram. I didn't know about your website. So thank you for it's brand new it's really just a little portfolio i use but it's it's a whole thing now <laughs> all right well uh thank you so much for uh taking the time to talk to me this evening this is really Absolutely. fun I hope, I hope you enjoyed it as well <laughs> i did i did i did yeah. thank you like I said at the beginning, I'm really glad that I finally got a chance to talk to you as opposed to when I was too shy to say anything the last time. Me too. I know my face and my aura can be like, don't talk to me, but it's really not, I promise. And that's for everybody in the world to know. Like, So yes, please talk to me whenever you want. And I appreciate this. Yeah. Well, I appreciate this as well. Uh, thank you so much. I'll let you enjoy the rest of your evening. Uh, just keep up all the amazing work. And I'm, I'm going to continue following what you're doing. And yeah, I'm sure you have you. like a whole bunch of amazing things on the horizon. So hopefully all that goes well. Thank you, dear. This <laughs> is a great thing you're doing. And oh. I wish you all the best with it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> young, gifted. We're young, we're gifted, and we're abroad. And we love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Well, uh, we'll talk to you later, okay? For sure. Have a good night, love. All right, you too. Bye, Zuri. All right, y'all. There it is. Thanks to Zuri for being such a wonderful guest, and I hope you like how this all turned out. For the rest of you listening, don't forget to follow this podcast at Young Gifted and Abroad on Instagram and Facebook. And don't forget to check out guest profiles and resource lists on younggiftedandabroad.com. Also, if you enjoy what you've been hearing so far, then please continue listening to this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Acast, or Stitcher. And as always, if you have questions or comments to share, or if you yourself would like to be a guest on the show, then feel free to email me at younggiftedandabroad at gmail.com. So for the next episode in two weeks, uh, the guest is going to be someone whom I connected with through a certain podcast community on Facebook. Uh, This person is a, she's an author and a professor, and she had the great fortune of being able to do a foreign exchange to Morocco while she was in high school. And then in college, she spent 
uh, some time studying in Spain. And that time in Spain in particular really changed her life. That is not an exaggeration. It really changed her life. And um, you'll get to hear about her incredibly interesting trajectory in two weeks. But until then, thank you so much for listening and talk to you next time. Happy to-